Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, a film podcast in which three film school graduates reassess the maligned, underseen or financially disappointing films from filmmakers far more talented than they are. We assess whether these pictures deserve the less than optimal reception they got on release and whether they're now worthy of your time or should they remain in the obscure hinterland they currently occupy. My name's Rob, and as always, I'm joined by my cinema-loving chums, Simon and James. How are you doing, boys? Very well, thank you, Robert. I'm wonderful, sir. Wonderful. That's that kind of enthusiasm that this will propel <laughs> <laughs> will propel to this, this podcast to unknown heights. It's in no part due to the several beers I had beforehand. Uh, that's not the, not the case at all. Well, it's Friday night, gents. Not to let the listener behind the curtain too much, but we are <laughs> no, recording this on a Friday night... And we're going to be talking ostensibly about a children's film, so rock and roll <laughs> stuff, really. That is correct. That is correct. Um, for for my part, I'm currently double fisting Bud Lights like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> you sound bitch. <laughs> Give me double a hell fisting. Never mind, never mind. Seriously, we've been going for two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, that is a poor choice of words. Anyway, anyway, uh, since this is a film podcast um, and uh, we're not just all about the, well, what we now find in the bargain basement bins of video <laughs> stores that we used to have or anything, uh, we're always watching stuff all the time, aren't we, guys? So uh, what have you guys been watching this week? I've actually watched one of the worst romantic comedies uh, I've ever seen this week. Um, I got a screener for a new film starring Hayden Christensen Oof. and Julia Roberts' niece. I forget what her name Emma Roberts, she's called. Oh, yeah. um, and it's called Little Italy, and it's about uh, a high-flying London chef returns home to Little Italy, not in New York, as you would imagine, in like Toronto or something. Uh, where Hayden Christensen's like her, her childhood sweetheart and her, their families are at warring pizza restaurants. It was horrendous. It was horrendous. It sounds like um, Nicholas Sparks and Super Mario made a movie together. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I know that one of the main reasons of, for us doing this podcast is to be positive about films. Yeah. And I've just started off by saying it's tough, but it is. It's really terrible. Mainly because Hayden Christensen's been on the Just for Men and uh, the, <laughs> like, has got some, like, a, a, this really weird fake tan thing going on because he's tr- supposed to be Italian. So it's, it's very bizarre. Oh, so he's like, he, he's been cast as an Italian guy. <laughs> yeah, he's got, like, uh, the proper accent as well. Hey, man, what you doing? <laughs> no, hey, I'm from no. New York. That's <laughs> where I'm going. <laughs> Uh, sounds like one to one to avoid. One to avoid. <laughs> not for our reconsideration. Perhaps. Yes, exactly. Definitely, it will not be featuring on this show sometime in the future. I don't know. I mean, some people might think that that would be ideal fodder for this, <laughs> for this particular podcast. Um, so, from my standpoint, I went to see the new Stephen Merchant uh, Ooh, film this week. I, uh, I went to see Fighting with My Family which uh, was excellent, I must say. It was very good. Excellent. Very well written. Uh, great gags. Wonderful sort of underdog story. And uh, yeah, just a good time. Heart- heartwarming stuff, really. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. 
I haven't got anything funny to say about that one. <laughs> a, but just a positive review, great. Yeah, yeah just enjoyed yeah, yeah. it. I thought it was really Excellent. good. I am a little bit in love with Florence Pugh as well. She's she's incredible. She's so good. Yes, she's very good. Very good in the film. Uh, well, uh, speaking of love, I'm going to keep with the romantic theme. I've been very romantic with my wife, curling up, uh, going for an early night, watching the Ted Bundy tapes. Wow, uh, on romance. Netflix. <laughs> romance is not dead. Yeah, um, and that's also uh, very good for <laughs> entirely different reasons. Um and really chilling and gives you bad dreams if you watch it uh, just before bed after a buttload of cheese as well. <laughs> wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, well, this week, James, you picked the film, right, this week? I did. I did indeed, guys. Um, so the film this week is Speed Racer, directed by the Wachowskis. Love Speed Racer. Nice. If people aren't familiar with Speed Racer, I'll just give you a quick log line from the IMDb. A young driver, speed racer, aspires to be champion of the racing world with help of his family and his high-tech Mach 5 automobile. Your son seems to be interested in only one thing. All he talks about, all he seems capable of thinking about, is automobile racing. Racing's everything. For my family, it isn't just a sport. It's way more important than that. It's like a religion. Are you ready to become a real race car driver? Then sign that contract. He's just trying to scare you, son. What you do behind the wheel of a race car has nothing to do with business. You walk away from me, you walk away from this deal, no matter how well you drive, you won't win, you won't place. I guarantee you right now, you won't even finish the race. You think you can drive a car and change the world? It doesn't work like that. Maybe not. But it's the only thing I know how to do when I gotta do something. (laughs) I'm already thinking of not wanting to talk about it based on that. Well, I assume you've both watched it, otherwise this is going to be a really, really short episode. Well, uh, that's true, yeah. (laughs) I actually, yes, uh, yes. Uh, what films are? I haven't seen it. Uh, it was a it was a nightmare to track down and, and find though. It was sold it was, out, wasn't it? sold out in most places. I tried to get it online, uh, not on Netflix, not on not even on Amazon Prime to like buy. You know, like yeah. So I had to go like I think I went to Google Play and had to play it through my browser on my telly. But uh, oh, that is not the optimal way to watch a particular film. Ra- roundabout <laughs> way to watch a film, but uh, it, it's still looked crisp and glorious so uh, yeah. really yeah. even even through the old google play i got it on the uh, on the on the blu-ray uh, i ordered it a couple of weeks ago and uh, yeah it looked absolutely stunning so you know what what did everyone think of it before we get into the uh, what was everyone's initial reaction i i thought with within the first five minutes i was thinking how <laughs> the hell is this film going to hold my attention for the mighty two hours 15 minutes it's a long film isn't <laughs> it it is a long film yeah i um yeah I, I remember when i first watched it like well how old is it is like 10 years or something 2008 i think yeah, I remember when I watched it the first time thinking, why is this well over two hours long? <laughs> <laughs> Had you seen it before that. then, in which case? Had you guys seen this? Well, James, you you picked it, so you must have seen it before. But Yes. Yeah, had I you saw seen it before, it, Sam? Um, I saw it, I, I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I, I, I saw it on Blu-ray, uh, probably when, mm. it came, when it was first released uh, on, uh, on disc, and just thought, wow, this is, I get why people don't like it, but... This is pretty stunning stuff, like in terms of visual effects, which we'll get into, uh, and 
later in the during the course of the uh, episode but i was like why do people hate this so much and uh i've actually got some hot facts for you guys oh, oh yeah. yes i love it i love trivia <laughs> right so what film do you think came out around the same time oh i know this i know this well, uh, i have no idea um it's like iron man isn't it it was iron man's second week right Iron no Man's second week yeah so it obviously got trounced by that, didn't it? It did, yes. And it also came out the same summer uh, as a little film called The Dark Knight. Now, can you believe that this film was even Whoa. released in the oh same era God. as those two things? Dear me, man. Wow. No, so that's incredible. Yeah, so in preparation for this episode, uh, I came across a, an excellent article by David Sims on The Atlantic about how the landscape for tentpole movies was shifting right around the release of this. So obviously you've got the birth of the superhero yeah. Uh, extended cinematic universe around this. And this just feels like a film completely out of time mm, to me. Yeah, like, yeah. Completely out of step with what is going on. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, what did you guys think of the film? I mean, overall, um, is it is it spoiler to say what I think so early on or do you want me to tell no, no, just no, go no, for a go? Yeah. Initial reaction. Um, I, I, it, you take half an hour off this movie and it's a great movie. Yes, I, yeah, th- I agree. that's it. Yeah. Just I think um, a lot of the time, uh, some of the montages, however great they were, went on <laughs> possibly five to ten minutes longer than was necessary. So many. Oh, it's getting montages. bashed over the head by a rainbow, isn't it? Like, it is. It's yeah, absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. What you're looking at though is absolutely sensational after time, and I think like it's acted unbelievably well. The cast is great. I think like. Like and it's it's like loads of big hitters as well. So you got Susan Sarandon in there and John yeah. Goodman's in there and uh, I mean Matthew Fox is hilarious. I think he is. He <laughs> is I will really, not have a bad word to really say about him. Did you did you know that? Um, yeah, I saw another bit of trivia that Keanu Reeves was supposed to do it. Yeah, they asked Keanu to do it. Obviously, coming off the back of the Matrix, uh, and he turned it down. Unfortunately, obviously, so it was up to. It was quite hot at the time, I guess, with Lost and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually also read that Nicolas Cage was offered it in oh, the 90s when wh- Joel Silver was... was uh, oh. Well, st- still a Joel Silver-produced production, wasn't it? But and so, like, when I went to bed after watching it, I was just imagining a Cage version of Racer oh X. My, <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been super... That's like the pre-Kick-Ass Fantasy thing. Casting. It's like, the, like he yeah. would be in Kick-Ass. Yeah, I mean, I imagine at the time uh, Matthew Fox was quite the get, but the idea that he would be sort of the main name in a huge <laughs> summer <laughs> blockbuster now is absolutely mind-boggling. It's so funny. Like, it's really, really funny. I, I, I think he he's great in it. I just laugh. I, I just do, burst yeah. out laughing when he came on. It's so good. This is so harsh. I thought, like, he was... Because I thought he brought a, um, a gravitas to what was, like, essentially half a face half the time. I actually really liked his turn in it. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone, like, the monkey's even good in it. <laughs> we need oh, to don't get, get me, that. Don't get me started on the <laughs> I know, I, I know James, James doesn't like young children in films very much. <laughs> or whimsy. <laughs> whimsy children. Yeah, that, that I, I could have done without the uh, annoying... Little brother. Oh, the, God, the, yeah. I mean, that's where I'd take the that's where I'd take the scissors to this film. Absolutely, like just, yeah. I knew oh. you would. I absolutely <laughs> knew that's what you'd hate about. <laughs> but if you take that away, I mean, because what what the, the kid being there and that that ah, god awful double act he's got with that chimpanzee. <laughs> that it's pretty painful. I got to be honest, but you know, I'm someone who you know, as listeners, you're going to see this from me that I will look for. 
gold in turds wherever I possibly can. <laughs> this um, is the right podcast for you to be hosting. <laughs> <laughs> this, um, I found that like them being there lent quite an uneasy tone to the film at times, simply because of the... Um, there's a borderline neon latex fetishism at work half the time, and then cutting to chimps throwing poo and cheese at, it, at a little boy, and I'm thinking, like, what is going? I'm I'm always confused and a little bit. Like, what is? What am I supposed to be feeling at this point in time? <laughs> confused was the end result. Yeah, I think the tone of the film it, it is a choice. I mean, it, it's so corny, painfully earnest, and cheesy throughout. Mm. But that's exactly absolutely intent. That's not by accident at all you know they're building towards the finale where all this cheesy sincerity will ultimately pay off yeah uh but yeah there's there's weird sort of like contrasts throughout like you have the chimp and the stupid little fucking brother stealing sweets <laughs> off that off that plane oh my, that joke goes on way too long it comes up about three times it's like all right it wasn't good the first time just just leave that joke alone yeah and, and, and all the time that fat uh corporate guy is waffling on about stock options and uh corporate greed to speed racer and the intercutting between the two it's like what's the tone yeah i have to say roger allen is Superb in it. Was he, is he the the guy who played the pancake weirdo? He's the, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. These are great pancakes, Susan. Marvelous pancakes. Oh my Susan. god, he was brilliant. And then the more he, the more it went on, the more he just morphed into Mark Corrigan from Peep Show. <laughs> just, again, just couldn't stop laughing. I, I, the, I no think, speed racer. No, <laughs> he is he is so good. And uh, it was just like I think that one of the main reasons I really do like this film and i remember it at the time as well it brought me so much joy i thought the whole yeah it looks beautiful it's like a really bright on blu-ray especially because i did have mm. it on blu-ray but someone stole my copy i don't know why uh, but um <laughs> they obviously really really enjoyed it yeah and, and they obviously just, wanted to reconsider it it's it's what <laughs> ten, 10 years old but it you know, there are elements of, of course, there are elements of it which have dated, but for the most part, some of the stuff just still looks brilliant. And I haven't seen anything like yeah. it since, to be fair I think to it. The action um, editing as well going on, especially in the race sequences, is just amazing. The editing Half is, the time. The edit is brilliant. And, like, you, you know, obviously it's not going to win awards for like story and things like that, but, you know, credit where it's due, the editing is insane like it's really dynamic the whole way through it It, you know there's loads of green screen bonanza going on but um yeah yeah you know which is a bit of a slight you know maybe that does go a bit too much but credit where it's due editing is superb on it it's so good i mean for me the first 15 to 17 minutes of this film i've are absolutely breathtaking. I mean, you saw oh, that first race the f- and the, the yeah, backstory. Yeah. yeah. Going with that. Yeah, so, oh. yeah, as a filmmaker's um, challenge to how can I deliver backstory while putting together yeah. a dynamic, thrilling race sequence and doing it all in one go, they absolutely nailed it in that sense. Yeah. So I, I made the notes down while I was, while I was watching this. So, during that first 15 minutes, they go, we set up the world, the visual style, Speed's backstory, his motivation and his family, all while capturing an enthralling race. You know, it's mm. a masterclass in world building, but in storytelling as well. Mm. The way yeah. this would normally be done would be to show the race and then go back and explain the hologram that he's racing through a series of flashbacks. And then they'd go back and explain like, oh, he wasn't very good at school and all this. And like, you know, yeah. and, but they just 
cut it all together with such uh, uh, kinetic energy. Yeah. And the way that the the film, all, it just brings it all together. And also, I think that first 15 minutes, you can decide at that point whether it's going to be for you yeah, definitely. or not. Like, That's because true. Because they true. absolutely bombard you with everything that this film is about. Yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's visually spectacular. Yes, it's... It's just all the colours of the rainbow throughout the throughout the entire film, and they're just going to throw it all at you, and you either get on the train or you don't. Basically, I thought it showed um, an invention that I wasn't expecting as well. I wasn't expecting it to be inventive as it was. Um, case in point being the the little finger plugging a hole in a piranha tank. Oh my god, that was just quite I was dark, gonna mention that. That, that was that so was cool. Like, yeah. yeah, and so it came so out of nowhere. But the film was constantly full of those little moments that, well, what are we going to do? And they're little like throwaways. It reminded me of the kind of gag that you'd seeing indiana jones to be honest yeah absolutely yeah and like i thought you know that um it's after they've had the desert race sequence and they're all in the hotel that evening i thought they were going to assassinate that <laughs> kid, you know when they're dripping the yeah, poison yeah. liquid into his mouth <laughs> I went, is this a pg i'm checking the back of the box you'd be forgiven for thinking with all the latex neon fetish stuff going on all over the place i did enjoy the ninjas like sparkly outfits like the the, the ninja costumes had, had a nice little sparkle to them it's like this isn't proper ninja attire <laughs> <laughs> Calls himself a ninja, more like a nonja. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, John what Goodman. Was that joke? I didn't get that joke at all. I uh, mean, that, that's the level, isn't it? Like, yeah. if that's not for you, then you may as well just switch it off. Well, I mean, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're basing a film on a, what is it, like a 60s Japanese cartoon, mm. like Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And they've just gone... There's, you know, it's not a dark, gritty reboot of it. It's got no. This is what the tone of it is. We're just gonna go for it, and that's you know, full speed. Excuse the pun. Full speed ahead <laughs> on that exact like style and tone, uh, and yeah, it it feels like a Warner Brothers like Hanna Barbera cartoon like that. It does, yeah. But yeah. in live that's action, true. like you know, absolutely, they've yeah. gone out to make a cartoon in live action, basically, and and I think they totally nailed it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what's your knowledge of the uh, of the Speed Racer cartoon at all? I'll tell you what my the extent of my knowledge is is uh, in Friends. Joey Tribbiani has a uh, framed photo of uh, poster on his wall of yeah. Speed Racer, and in the- that's where my knowledge begins and ends. And the, the, mu- <laughs> the music video for Summertime by the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, he's wearing a Speed Racer T-shirt. Right, brilliant. Um, the the only reference I've got is that um, oh dear. R. Kelly referenced him in the song Hex by just call me Speed Racer because I'm rolling in that Mark Five. <laughs> <laughs> Lost oh, my train. So yeah, uh, I deliberately as well avoided any, you know, before it, looking at anything to do with uh, the source material. I didn't look at anything because I think even, you know, and as we continue with this podcast adventure, that I'll keep doing the same thing, I think, uh, unless I already know it, because I think films should stand up by themselves oh, regardless yeah, of what source material they should come from. And in that sense, you know, I don't know whether ardent fans of Speed Racer, the original series, will be up in arms about what they've seen, but from a film that stands by itself, this is a ton of fun all by itself. Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Rob, out of interest, you have a uh, seven or eight-year-old daughter. I do, yeah, yeah. Would you show her this film? <laughs> yes, I would, yeah, yeah. I might, you know, um, put it into uh, Avid and edit it down myself because she ain't got the attention span <laughs> for two and a quarter, two and a quarter hours. But, the Rob um, Parker cut. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I honestly, since watching it, I thought like this is the kind of thing that they enjoy. I've got a one-year-old boy as well, and he loves looking at cars and boom, boom, and all that kind of stuff. So surely he's going to enjoy that. I, I, I would, I would try and show it to mine, but I think his head would explode. To be honest, it's, yeah, uh, <laughs> or he'll have a seizure or something because it's very, very flashy. <laughs> it, yeah, it is, it is. But um, uh, from a production de- design standpoint, um, and I know you mentioned green screen before, Sai. Yeah, the, there was obviously a lot of that. Just even undertaking a film like this is outrageous to begin with. I mean, you have to be a certain caliber of filmmaker to even have one like the the knowledge of what it is you're trying to do, the innate knowledge of the the film you're trying to create to even yeah. attempt to put something like this together. You have to have all your cogs in the right place at the right time, all the time. And, uh, and on that score, you know, I, I'm amazed that it's not thought more highly of. Yeah, I mean, this is them cashing in all of their chips in it on the back of the the success of the Matrix trilogy and just going, we're doing this. Right, and like I can imagine them having a chat with the studio where they go by, right, we want to do Speed Racer, and they're like, what is it? And they're like, well, it's this, you know, it's based on this Japanese Saturday morning cartoon, and it's going to look like this, and just like blowing their minds. And I imagine the studio execs went, well, we didn't understand the Matrix either, and that worked out all right. Yeah, what what was the budget for the film? Oh, the budget was, well, what do you think it was? Uh, $800 million. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no like, idea. Like, what? Like a hundred million at least, surely. Hundred and twenty million dollars. Hundred and twenty million dollars. What did it make? Something like forty million or something. That's domestic, I think. Worldwide, ninety-three million nine hundred and forty-five. So they, they didn't make its cash back. They spent an absolute shit ton on marketing as well. Like the, so, it probably needed to make conservatively two hundred and fifty million to break even. That is a flop and a half, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, they obviously just... I mean, it's all on the screen. You can't deny that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's absolutely all on the screen. But no wonder they won't let them make uh, films in America anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this was before the era where, you know, like nowadays it's like... Well, most films have got about, you know, most big summerish movies have got a hundred million dollars chucked at it, easy. Mm. You know, I try yes. to think what like the Rock's back catalogue of Rampage and Skyscraper and Jumanji. Between them, they must have three hundred million behind them, surely. Yeah, I ain't got a clue to be honest. I don't even know what 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 money means in Hollywood anymore. There's just so much of it. Well, you're currently in a in a scenario where it's either mega budget or super low budget, mm, and there's, there's no, there's there's no, no in middle. between. Yeah, that middle's yeah. kind of disappeared, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But in 2008, this would be very much on the higher end of the budget, yeah. and that is a flop and a half from financial standpoint. It didn't perform much better critically either. No, it really yeah, didn't. Yeah. Critics didn't help. But like the, I don't see. I seem to remember over here. I mean. You know, UK sort of box office doesn't really... It's a drop in yeah. the ocean, really, isn't it, with films? Absolutely. But yeah. I, don't, I don't remember any sort of adverts for this in the cinemas. I really don't. No, no. I do remember everywhere I went, though, I would see like a cardboard cutout of the Mac 5 uh, in a lot of cinema foyers and stuff like that. Right, 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 um, yeah. But aside from that, no, I remember seeing the um, the trailer once and going, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And now I feel silly about that. But I think like now being, 
uh, a little bit older, uh, a little bit, you know, like I'm, I'm more prone to looking for the roses, even if I can't smell them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad I saw it now at this stage of life rather than back then. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think when you're looking at it and you're wanting the Wachowskis to do something as groundbreaking as the, uh, as the Matrix, I just, I don't think I was ready for him to do something this different from that you know obviously it's groundbreaking in terms of editing and visual effects it's absolutely stunning to look at as as we've already said but i just don't think i was ready for the tone i felt like with the matrix it sort of made more grown-up you know things for adults and i was like why are they wasting their time making this kids movie and it's cost an absolute fortune it's a full-blown kids movie isn't it Yes, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Did they go straight from the Matrix to to this? Well, they did. V, they wrote and produced V for Vendetta in between, right? right. But they didn't direct that. This is their first directorial after the third since, Matrix, since, wasn't it? After the third Matrix, which I don't like at all. No, I didn't like no, that no, at all. No. I, I remember <clears> seeing that in the cinema, and uh, I was with a friend uh, who fell asleep. Um, oh, it's halfway boring. through. It's really, yeah. really boring. He woke up, and I was like, "He's like, what did I miss?" I was like. Literally nothing. It's they're still fighting. <laughs> I don't want to disappear down too too much of a uh, a speed bump here, but flipping heck, that that film is. Why isn't it in the Matrix? Nobody cares about the real world. It's so boring. Oh my god! I don't god. want to see these scrubbers down in the caves. <laughs> I don't care about think, these guys and they're sweaty the cool raves. guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Gross. <laughs> I just love the idea gross. that, you know, these guys, you know, when this came out after The Matrix, people appeared at the cinema in full black trench coats like, yes, the Wachowski's next movie. It's going to be amazing. Like, what are you here for? Speed Racer. And they're in their full tra- <laughs> trench coats and shades and all that. Yeah, blue pill, red pill, why? And they get in there and within eight seconds, they're absolutely bombarded by colour. And- <laughs> the critical reception hasn't been very good. There is no critical reception. <laughs> <laughs> we come out like, oh my God, everything I believed in, it's gone, it's gone. Uh, so obviously, like, critically, it did not fare very well at all. What no. What sort of consensus was it? Oh, I've got a corker here from uh, Anthony Lane in The New Yorker, and I quote verbatim, though the film is not as criminally poor as V for Vendetta. Which isn't bad at all. V for Vendetta was great, douchebag. (laughs) It struck me as more insidious. So let's define insidious. Insidious means gradually and secretly causing harm. (laughs) Anthony's had a bad day there. I got the the complete opposite. Yeah, it brought me nothing but joy when I was... It's the most... Right, whether you like it or not, you can't uh, deny that the uh, message is unmistakably wholesome. You know, like... It's this a positive is, thing. <laughs> Insidious. <laughs> <laughs> what does he mean? I've not read the review. I was like, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Like, what, what's, what was its overall um, rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 40% critical which is Oof. big old rotten, and uh, audience, 60%. So the audience yeah, seems to bad. like yeah. it more than, the, more than the critics. Yeah, that's not too bad. Because we must, we need to point out, actually, that that's our criteria for looking at films, isn't it? That that's, Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. A, over, it's less than 50% on Rotten Tomatoes or was a box office flop. And in this case, it ticks both the boxes. <laughs> it does tick both those boxes. <laughs> that podcast I mean, is off with a bang. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's currently sitting at 37 on uh, Metacritic. So, yeah, even oh. lower on that one. So, Dear uh, me. Do you not think, like, looking at it, having just watched this this week like that, that's harsh. That's harsh. It is harsh. It is harsh. Like, this, this one, I'm just, I'm just looking at Metacritic now. Uh, from the Miami Herald, that well-known film publication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a dull, clunky, joyless mess. It's hard to believe the people who made it understand much about movies. It's just that's just <laughs> not very nice. <laughs> I'd I love to describe s- this s- film. Trying to see things, them, but dull and... would not be one of them. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd love to try and see them try and put an action sequence together that's a hundred and eighty shots of uh, across five minutes. That's just green screen and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You organise that. You organise that. <laughs> Dear me. Some people, do, you know, like, but because of movies like this, you know, like that has got a very clear ambition and giant scope, um, and it's trying to do something that's, it's different, isn't it? It is different. Yes. Isn't the movie landscape better because it's been attempted and and maybe it fell short in people's eyes rather than it was never attempted at all? Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to give it to the Wachowskis, you know, not everything they do works and they're inconsistent from one minute to the next, let alone from one film to the next. But they <laughs> absolutely swing for the fences every single time. There is no playing it safe whatsoever. Like yeah. they are absolutely putting everything on the line here and going, this is what we want to do. This is what we believe in. We think people will like this because we like this. Yeah, right? And yeah. they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think you can like <laughs> argue on a technical level, like the bar, they, the bar they set, well, yeah, the so bar they set in the matrix and then, Obviously, to follow up that, they go, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? So then yeah. they just make this visually stunning film. And it's like, yeah, like there's no way you could turn around and say that that's a like technically inept filmmakers of yeah, that, that film. Is, I like, mean, it would be a farce to make that assessment. It's and, and to be able to get, because I think we're, you know, as we said before, all the, all the actors in it are great. Like they proper sell oh. it. And, you know, they're, they're doing 80% of it on green screen. And, um, you know, yeah. imagine directing that where it's all in their their heads, basically, of how it was going to cut together. <laughs> imagine them trying yeah. to explain it. Now, listen, Susan, I know this might be a bit different for you, but you're going to be acting against a backdrop of a, of a mural made of <laughs> Skittles vomit <laughs> that some kid has <laughs> chucked up after going on a jungle gym for 10 hours. And, and Susan going, yeah, yeah, I buy that. I'm there. Yeah, she she yeah. loved it. In the the, uh, the end sequence, she is losing her shit when he wins the ring. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We should probably do that if you haven't seen the film, then you might want to go and watch it first before you listen. To the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about the the big uh, the big twist as well. About um, is it a big twist about Racer X's lineage? Oh my god, that that the final ten minutes is absolutely bonkers. So yeah. you've got that race, and as I said, Susan Sarah did like losing her shit, which is hilarious. And then <laughs> the whole like reveal of Rex, you know, the Matthew Fox, it's off its tits. It's really it's insane. insane. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. mental. Like it's just I, ridiculous. I love the fact they did it, but it, it is crazy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it was a twist as such, though. I think if you've not figured that out by the <laughs> by the first time he appears that you're not working particularly hard yeah. I'm, a th- I'm a thicko I was like oh well they've not got the same face so can't be yeah. I mean I, d- I really don't 
<laughs> I really don't understand his motives for wanting to fake his own death and leave his family, though. There was, they didn't really explain that. Why? Uh, wasn't he, why uh, didn't he, he just uh, hates was, corporate greed, Si, and he's not going to stand for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just... I thought, was he in the pocket of the mob or something like that? Oh. Did I we understand was... this film? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you remember in the opening, uh, don't they send a go-kart filled with explosives to the family home? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Down the drive. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he so... takes the most elaborate way of getting rid of it. Yeah, and breaks like a broom and the jams garage, it on it. Mate. I've not seen such an elaborate escape from anything since Steven Seagal in, <laughs> in How to Kill <laughs> when he wakes up from a coma and he escapes from a hospital with a broom and an eight-inch beard. Oh. Imagine he'd miss the accelerator with the broom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, still, we wouldn't have had to put up with that fucking chimp, then, would we? The, <laughs> the person who delivered what? it, like, just giving it to a child, like, oh yeah, that, that, that's the <laughs> incredibly horrible. <laughs> so I, I, I'm assuming because I love how we've just sort of stumbled on a massive like plot hole, or we're too stupid to understand the children's film. It probably does. Probably does. <laughs> Um, whereby I imagine that he was worried that his family were going to get uh, hurt as a result of him not joining the big corporations and racing against them. So he faked his ah. own death and then decided to take them on from inside. Or uh, to, to dismantle them legally instead I of assume so. on I mean, the track. Really matter, does it? <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I, uh, during that 10 minute, when that finished, when it finished, I, I was just like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it was proper condensed in as well. Like, literally last five minutes was, yeah, we're going to explain, you know, this whole thing of what happened to his brother whilst he's winning a race. Uh, It was so good. Yeah, they try to go back to what they did in the opening with the finale, you know, in terms of the... Oh, it's like a bookend. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's quite as successful as it is in the first 15 minutes. It's just, I think at that point, you should be focused more on the race at that stage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just it's just sort of taking you away from it. And then like Matthew Fox is like trying to he's just not a very good actor, is he really? <laughs> no, he was brilliant. I will not have this. He was amazing. You know, when they said like, Do you want to go and tell them, you know, I no, I, I, I can't remember what he said. Obviously not that memorable. <laughs> but I thought it was really... I loved his, his earnest little face. Oh, marvellous. Marvellous uh, stuff. Yeah, I he, was in. I was hooked. He looked weird with the mask off, I thought. Oh, <laughs> You've been looked watching extremely him for 90 dishy. minutes with the mask on, and then he was just like... Oh, it's the dude from Lost. <laughs> it was, it's good because... He really belongs on television, doesn't yeah, he? Because he, <laughs> he actually looks like he had had face surgery. So it, it was very no, suitable. This is, this is outrageous, I think. <laughs> this is unacceptable. The fox. Oh. Uh, he, I thought he was brilliant. Also brilliant, you know, like, oh, I mean, he swung for the fences with the role. I think Goodman knew, he was uh, he, he was in sort of Fred Flintstone territory for me, John Goodman. Oh, yeah, you know, totally. Like, like, there was very much that sort of um, knowing earnestness to him as well. But, um, yeah, we've not even mentioned Emil Hirsch once. Oh, oh but, we haven't. But we he's a bit of a was... uh, he's a bit of a he's not a great character, Emil Hirsch. We probably want to sort of he might have been a nice boy back then, but I don't think he's a very nice person. Now. Is he not? Is he not a nice Isn't person? He? Well, he's like what? What? Please, um, we, we I thought we got the libelous stuff out of the way, but what? What? Tell me more. Well, we might have to cut this out because let me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, here we go. This is great for podcasting. I'm just going to live Google. <laughs> 
Do you think I think I didn't get about uh, just totally going off a tangent um, while James looks up his uh, facts on him? <laughs> like I had no idea like where we were. Like were we in Australia? Were we in? Oh no, Amer- no. I had absolutely no idea. Wasn't Fiji mentioned at one point? <laughs> yeah, is I it? might be ma- totally making that up. Oh but, no, yeah, um... there's, a, there's a race in Fuji, which was. Uh, Fuji, what the the round the mountain the photographer I guess. manufacturers? <laughs> yeah, the Fuji factory. <laughs> yeah, there was a race called the Fuji race. So, I mean, I don't know. Is that in Japan? I'd, it was so. And then there's like a few Australian actors just randomly in there. Um, yeah, yeah. And then obviously it's mainly Australian, but it looks like we're in Japan. Was it shot in um, Australia? You know the Fox. Is it Fox? Or is oh, it I have no idea. Who is it? But I was just wondering where, because sometimes, you know, when they go filming in wherever, they end up taking local talent as a sort of a goodwill gesture sometimes, uh, don't they? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah, pro- possibly no, it was then. That would I know there's a glut of films being shot in Australia around that time. Right, yeah. I they think they Fox probably Australia. did shoot in Australia because I think they shot the Matrix trilogy in Australia. Right, well, that does make sense. because So I uh, assume they used a lot of the same crew. Yeah. Right, right. I did really like um, when they were doing the the stage race, the team race. His outfit mm. was gorgeous, where he had his blue shirt and oh, his red neckerchief, yeah. uh, which oh, is yeah. straight out of the cartoon. That was really good. Yeah, really I, cool um, very, again, that's the wardrobe throughout the film was great. Apart from, I didn't like um, when John Goodman at the end became um, Reverse Super Mario when he was working on the. Yes, I know. Do you remember <laughs> what was going on? Like, <laughs> see, all I could think of was like, oh, they're all dressed like that. What's going on? You know, it's just such a strange film. Like everything is just so. To, everything's turned up to eleven to borrow a, a spinal tapism. Like it is just yeah. absolutely going for it. I mean, what I quite like is there is uh, there is a lot of green screen, obviously, but like the family home and things like that, they're all practical sets that they've just absolutely vomited color on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and again, you've got these amazing A list actors acting themselves senseless in these weird production design creations. Rob, you can keep saying A-list, but we're not going to go with Matthew Fox as an A-lister. I'm sorry, not even to... <laughs> 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 He's C to B at best. Oh, right, yeah, I'm adding up. You leave the fox alone, Stuart. Wasn't, wasn't he in a film and like he appeared massively... like He'd been away for a while and he appeared like insanely buff. For some oh, film. Yeah, what was it yeah. where he was playing a killer in something? Yeah, he was a bad guy in um, like a book adaptation film, wasn't it? Oh, it's an Alex yeah. Cross, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Alex Oh, yeah, that's uh, the one. Thriller yeah, yeah, that yeah. Morgan Freeman used to make back in the 90s when yeah. he used to make mid-level thrillers. And it's and it, but it's like Tyler Perry. Is it Tyler Perry? The, yeah, the, the yeah, comedian. Yeah, yeah. Who's... More more famous for playing Baxter Stockman in the uh, Ninja Turtles. What? I, have, oh, the yeah. se- I haven't have seen the seen sequel. The se- You've got to oh, get, my God. get this sorted out, man. Because the first he's, one... He's, he is loving the role. Wow. Yeah, I have to watch that. Well, Bebop and Rocksteady <laughs> in it. That's even more reason to watch it. Um, yeah. <laughs> while I've got like 10 screens open on my computer, um, I, I've just seen a very good user review uh, on Metacritic from Brandon N. It sucks it's for gay people. Take my advice. <laughs> Take my advice and don't watch it. Like, what? Thanks, I don't Brandon. know what that means. <laughs> Insightful, Brandon. <laughs> it sucks. It's, for- it's obviously zero. Zero stars from Brandon. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't... You he know, had we- to write that pithy review because he was on his way to pick it in an abortion clinic. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, th- I think he's you know struggling with an awakening inside. Is poor Brandon? He wasn't ready for what this the colours of this film and the the excitement of this film was going to bring out of him. I think uh, he's struggling. I think the joy that it brought him obviously made him question his own sexuality. <laughs> it's all right, Brandon. Don't worry. Go with it. Lean into it, mate. It's fine. I, I wanted to ask you guys what was your if you got, you know, like um, when you leave a movie uh, at the cinema, um, and obviously we didn't watch this together, but after a movie, a lot of the time, when you're kids, you say, what was your favourite bit? What was your favourite bit? Oh, favourite bit. Um, actually, I think the opening race is just unbelievable. Like how he's, you know, how he's racing like the, the ghost car of his brother. Mm. And, and that's where all the cut points are as well. Like he does a jump and it just cuts from the race to the brother doing the race. It's so good. Yeah. The group thing was good, I guess. No, I think that opening race is amazing. And Christina Ricci was my favourite. Yeah, we haven't mentioned her yet either, have we? I thought she was great. She was cool really beans. Good. Cool beans. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot cool of hate beans. for the cool beans thing on the old user reviews. Everyone got really offended by that. I don't know why. Obviously, <laughs> I'm sure Bra- in, Brandon obviously was one of those cartoon. people, I think. <laughs> um, uh, James, what about you? What, do you have a favourite bit? Yeah, just to be a bit boring, I'll echo what Simon said. I think that opening is absolutely stellar. I think it's really how you... If you're wanting to set your stall out for the type of film that you're making early on, that's how you do it, essentially. And it's just so economical in the way that it tells all the backstory. It's probably the only part of the film that is economical, to be honest, in terms of... (laughs) That's fair. That is fair. (laughs) It's just like, if the rest of the film was like that and it came in at like 100, 105 minutes, I think people would be like, this is brilliant. I imagine that a lot of the negativity that came with the film is just down to people going, God, is this not over yet? My head is killing me. Do you know what? (laughs) I honestly think that's true because... You're watching it and it's almost like you're watching the extended cut on a DVD because there are scenes in it what it doesn't need, what could easily go. Uh, And it could have gone to two hours. You know, there's easily 15 minutes to take off it. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah, comfortably. Um, I think um, just to round that little bit off, I think um, my favourite bit would be um, Matthew Fox. Obviously, uh, yeah, yeah, as, sta- yeah, as established. Obviously, um, f- f- but he in in one of the the teamwork he race bit, he flipped a car. So and as he was going over the top of him, he reached down to punch him, someone in the face who was also driving. <laughs> of I course, was a, that was your favourite. Huge bit. fan of that. That moment. is that is very. Uh, av- there was a, also a guy who kept going on about turds, and at one point shouted out, "Let's pinch these turds off!" <laughs> do you remember? Yes. Do you remember? Again, that was that sort of like, I don't want my kids screaming that at me, you know, from the bathroom in the middle of the night. (laughs) I'm all for good bathroom etiquette, but, you know. Yeah, he was one of the snake team leaders, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, that was the guy, that was the Uh. guy. Um, But on that that topic of, you know, like why people didn't like it probably as much as they did, um, I felt like the crescendo, the natural crescendo to the film was actually that bit with the, the, the team race. Not the the Grand Prix bit at the end, even though the, yeah, I loved everything that happened. Yeah, but yeah. in the storytelling sense, it felt like it built to that. And then when it was all done, it was like, yeah, you know, and the, the the gang's all here and all that kind of stuff, and we made it. And then no, 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 you've got another forty five minutes to go, chum. And that's yeah. probably what it's a bit I, of fatigue, isn't I it? I think you're right there. I think that is the the exact point where you know people gave up with the film because they were exactly, like, yeah, there's yeah. Another oh god, there's another forty five minutes. minutes of this. Yeah, like. 
even if you're enjoying it, and I think we've all established that we all enjoyed the film. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's reservations, but we all largely enjoyed the film. But it is, it's just so full on that you, your eyes become tired looking yeah. at it. Like De- desperate for Elka Seltzer, a dark room, and a black pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, right, Rob. And, some, <laughs> and some straight cuts now and again. Why a black uh, pudding? We can't let that just go. It always levels me out, man. Always levels me out. <laughs> Just eating it raw out of the fridge. I'm gonna have to have two straight after I've, I've double fisted these Steve Weisers. But <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> well, we haven't uh, we haven't mentioned uh, the music yet, actually. Um, no, no. It what was, was it? <laughs> what was the uh, it, it was like that little known composer, Michael. I thought you were I'm so gullible. I was you were having me on, man. I'm, I'm oh, so I'm a professional, so obviously. Yeah, you had me, you had me. I, I the only music I really remember is that horrible cash in song at the end. Uh, I even looked it up so I could oh, see yeah. it on the podcast. Oh yeah, that LED was bad. and the decompressors remix of the original Speed Racer theme, I believe. Happy to be proven wrong as to what that really was, but um, don't make me listen to it again. It was definitely no Pitbull reworking <laughs> Africa by Toto. <laughs> Or LL Cool J's My Hat Is Like a Shark's Fin. Oh, that's a potential future film for this oh, podcast. Okay, yes. yes. Three times the cinema I went to see that. Three times. <laughs> what a movie. Deep that is bluish, is. my head is like a shark's fin. <laughs> is it? Is your hat like a shark's fin, LL? <laughs> what does that even mean, you mania? Uh. God, and, oh, yeah. I've got a Definitely. question about the the um, the milk. What was the milk all about? I, uh, yeah, is it because it was kids and they can't have alcohol? I don't. I get. I, <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing it was a it was a stupid thing they've brought from the original car. Yeah, uh, yeah it's just being like... so clean cut. It's all down to that, you know. Uh, I suppose I didn't all see American, a uh, even though I don't think in the source material he is an all American character. It's all that all American cookie cutter. Stand-up oh, yeah, yeah. guy, you know, like like Hulk Hogan used to be in the nineties, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and of course you mentioned before, produced by Joel Silver. Yes, Joel Silver, of Die Hard, and Lethal Weapon. Yeah, what's he up to these days? Did he do Predator as well? Did he? I don't know if he did the latest Predator, but he definitely did um, the Nice Guys with Shane Black, which is a great film and probably another one for this podcast because that again absolutely oh, tanked, tanked the box didn't it? Off That's yeah, yeah, superb that film. Really, yeah, really and um, that was like Shane Black at his most Shane Blackness. And uh, yeah, I think that's definitely one that we might have to revisit here. Cool. Again, obviously, not seen I'm looking it. at Rob's I... vacant face. He has not seen that film. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not sure he's heard of it. <laughs> no, I have. I have. What I hadn't heard of was um, <laughs> this week's Oscar winner for Best Picture. <laughs> Welcome uh, to a film podcast by the <laughs> <a> cinematic Luddite. <laughs> got a clue. With it being such a commercial flop, as we've established, it was pretty, you know, pan critically. Audiences, some audiences liked it, I guess, but I guess no one went to see it considering it's, it's quite a spectacular bomb, that isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. Obviously, partly down to the fact that the biggest bloody action movie thing was happening at the time with Iron Man coming out, which was just yeah. blew everyone away at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think you can overlook the impact of The Dark Knight that came out the same summer as yeah, well. I yeah, mean, it's just, definitely. This is so out of step with what audiences wanted 
that summer. Yeah. It's unreal. The well, may- maybe what audiences didn't know they wanted. Maybe they didn't know they didn't want this. Yeah. They certainly did want the big tentpole superhero releases yeah. multiple times a year. But the Dark Knight is a big sort of wide release, you know, PG-13, 12A property. Whereas this is a PG as well. So they're going for the same yeah. sort of mass market. But the Dark Knight feels like a film made for adults, you know, that teenagers can go and watch and, you know, 10 and 11 year olds can go and watch. Whereas this feels like a children's film and it looks like a children's film. And I think that's yeah. probably what hurts yeah. it. In that, <clears throat> I, in I think so. It's almost as if, like, if it was an animated film, yeah. it may have fared better because obviously... Animated films go down better with kids, I think, than live action. I think they get a bit bored, um, especially when it's two hours 20 or whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly can't remember what the Wachowskis have done since then, to be honest, apart from... Yes. Yeah, so, um, um, uh, Jupiter Ascending, was that something? Was that Which then? I haven't, yes, I oh, haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that. No, neither have I. I tell you one film I will be putting forward for us to discuss. This won't be the last time we go to Wachowski country, I don't think. <laughs> Is Cloud Atlas. And not that comes in a very lean three hours. Three hours. No, wow. no, no. You, I'll never forget my own face when I saw, looked on the back of the Blu-ray box and saw two hours, 15 minutes. Like, what? <laughs> Rob, this, you know, you've got to show some dedication to this podcast, Rob. Be a professional. Oh, I, Come on. I bought the jolly thing. <laughs> I'd never seen it. I've enhanced my DVD, my Blu-ray collection. <laughs> doing this. Um, that actually, you know, like the the context of when we watch these things, um, it was uh, Oscar season when we recorded this, wasn't it, guys? So, yeah, 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 um, yeah. In the context of uh, the Oscars, Green Book certainly was considered highly. Uh, would you class, uh, or would you suggest that people reconsider Speed Racer? Oh, before we give our opinion, can we just give a round of applause for Rob's unbelievably professional segue? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was struggling to figure out how would that work, and and there he goes. Rob smashes it out of the park. We've been trying to wrap it up for 25 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In answer to that, I think definitely. I think films like this don't exist anymore, I don't think. Um, And it is just unbridled joy. It's, it's It's so fun. The music's great. Yeah, it makes you happy, I think, with all these time of gritty reboots and everything's a bit dark. It's quite good to have a bit of fun with something, and that's what it is. It's just a big, fun movie. Yeah, absolutely. I'd echo a lot of that. I mean, it's visually stunning. I haven't seen anything like this from a major studio before or since in terms of the cutting-edge visual effects that are on show here and just the the audacity of the filmmakers. I just I can't, but you can't help but applaud it, really. It's everything on the table. You either like it or you don't. Unfortunately for the Wachowskis, this one didn't work out and they've been hit and miss since The Matrix. But, you know, I'll always be ready to see whatever they're putting out because oh, they yeah, always do something interesting. They're always, like, pushing the envelope, aren't they? So, mm. yeah. it's always well, that's what always you want worth. out of filmmakers, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's... I, I'm not interested in super safe cinema at all. No, particularly at this budget. You know, like... I, I get a real kick out of someone taking $120 million and making something that nobody at the studio understands. <laughs> yeah. And then they like, how the hell do we market this thing? Like, I'm, I'm sure it? the studio heads didn't echo that sentiment. <laughs> nobody read the script. Joel Silver didn't read the script. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. Uh, and I, I, you know, I openly admit to, at the opening of the film, I was like, how am I going to sit through this? Uh, but as soon as we were in that race and I was in that world, um, I was in. Um, I, I totally agree that it needs to lose half hour, 40 minutes, oh, and it can doubt, stand yeah. to lose that quite comfortably. Um, 
but that said, yeah, um, I would urge audiences, you know, like we've all just said, to reconsider this one. It's, it was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that discussion, boys. I think um, next week we're back with another film. You can hit us up on uh, social media. Find us on Twitter for your reconsideration. Uh, and, uh, yeah, have a good week. See you soon. Say goodbye, boys. Bye. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Wow, profesh. What an ending. <laughs>